welcome you to the assembly. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If you were here last week, we started the mini-series on Satan, you won't steal my worship. How many of you were here last week and you got something from God then? Satan, you won't steal my worship. Uh, the focus, the major focus of that message last week was, thank you, Jordan. I appreciate you and our worship team. Thank you for setting the tone. We, we focused on making the place of worship your hiding place before trouble comes. We established through the word that when Psalms 91 speaks about, uh, I'm going to, to seek God and seek his dwelling place, that for us, that place is worship. And we went through the life of Job and we saw that he made a decision before trouble came about who he was in his fate and how he would treat his wealth. And that when trouble came, God could say, Satan, have you considered Job? And we established that the only reason God would be able to say to Satan, who has been roaming back and forth, who already knew that Job existed, have you considered Job, was because the adversary could not do anything to Job unless given permission by God. And that same rule applies to us now. That the adversary, it doesn't matter how bad things are, he's not doing it on his own, of his own premonition. That God has allowed it only because God knows you. Now, once I understood that, I, I, I decided I don't want God to be ashamed of what he knows about me. If God thinks I could go through this, then it behooves me to fall and stay down in the problem. If God thinks that I can bear this cross, then it behooves me to not stand, even if I've got to cry, even if I've got to mourn, even if I've got to scream, even if I've got to holler, God, help me. I have established that I am not going down. I have established that I am not giving up. I have established that I am not going to lose. I'm not going to let go of God. Satan, you won't steal my worship. Today, I'd like to dig in to another portion of this same subject. Satan, you won't steal my worship. Would you look at someone else and tell them that? Satan, you, you won't steal my worship. Uh, you, you won't steal my worship. I know, you, you tricked me a couple of times before. Yep, you, you sure did. Had me 
second-guessing God and second-guessing his word, but, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm renewing my contract with the, with the Almighty. I, I'm renewing my covenant with God. Huh? Look at somebody and tell them, man. Tell, let, let, speak to the adversary, but tell somebody else. Tell, I have renewed my covenant with God. I have renewed my covenant with God. I understand that worship is my hiding place. That worship is my hiding place. That worship is my hiding place. And when things get tough, if I could only worship God, if I could only get into the place where I can just allow God to wrap himself around me, Oh, it doesn't matter what the devil's plan is. It doesn't matter what the devil's plan is. It doesn't matter what the devil's plan is. It will not take you down. It will not drown you. It will not come and wash you away because you are covered. Psalms 91 said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. That's worship to me. I dwell in the secret place based on the worship I give. Hey. Okay, let me calm down, get into the doctrinal portion of our message before we start screaming a lot more. Hallelujah. Satan, you won't steal my worship. Would you look with me a couple of very familiar portions? Because this story covers several texts, and quite often when Pastors or preachers preach, they just use one of them, but don't bring everything together. So I'm going to read two, the two smaller ones and then pull from the major historic portion that ties the two together. Is that okay? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through Eight. Isaiah 6. Okay. In the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train, or the train of his robe, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to the other, or one another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with, the glo with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. And this would be the key area, since I'm focusing on a different aspect of the story. This would be our key verse for this particular reading. So I said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm stripped, is what it's saying. 
I'm standing naked and transparent. I'm undone. You see everything. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the serpents flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And I said, here am I, send me. That first line of nine says, and he said, go and tell his, this people. We'll switch right over to 2 Kings chapter 15. Hallelujah. Verses 1 through 5. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, the reason, one of the reasons I'm reading this one is because I want you to see the connection between Azariah and Uzziah. It's the same person. It's the same person. Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His father, his mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father, Amaziah, had done. And this is the key portion here. Except that the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. They call them high places because that's where they ascribe to perch their temples. In high elevated areas and make public sacrifice and erect public statues so that everyone could see gods like Baal and Astaroth and make sacrifices to these false gods in very prominent places. As a matter of fact, in the Baal temple, uh, they went as far as having temple prostitutes. So if you brought a good offering or made a good sacrifice, uh, uh, you know, if you wanted to, you could worship at one of the prostitutes there. It was a perverse dedication of satanic worship that pushed itself into the public arena. I'm not going to call any particular area of culture in our country, but there are particular cultures right now that are pressing into the mainstream 
They are in the minority, but their lips flap as if they are the majority. And they want to dilute the message of Jesus by saying that he did not preach against certain things. But today we're not going after that. All I'm going to tell you is the word is the word. Look at somebody and tell them, the word is the word. The reason we believe the word and we have stuck with Christianity is because God doesn't waffle. He's not a wet noodle. You can't push a wet noodle. He's been straight up and down like 12 o'clock. You can check with him 2,000 years ago, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you said it was wrong 2,000 years ago, it's wrong today. I want to admonish you as much as I'm, many of you know what I'm aiming at, that if you are not daily, this is very serious, asking God to fill you with the spirit of agape, yeah. Yeah. that the people that are really suffering in the sins that are choking and chomping at the bits to take over our society and push Christianity down, will be turned off because they will see into your, your humanity. Your humanity is set by your mind. And if God's agape love does not overwhelm, does not come and wash you inside and out, your humanity against certain things will pop off. And you will react and not respond. God doesn't want reactors, we want responders. We don't just pop off. We, we, are, we are led by the Spirit of God. Enough said about that. Thank you, Lord. So we see here in 15 that Amaziah, or Azariah, sorry, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He's actually Uzziah. He was 16 years old and he became king and he reigned for 52 years. His mother, we went through that, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that the high places were not moved. The people still sacrificed and burned. Verse 5, then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house, and Jothan, the king's son, was over the royal house judging the people of the land. We'll stop right there. Both of these passages are talking about the same king, King Uzziah, the same king that Isaiah is referring to in Isaiah 6. And it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And my question to me personally has been, well, what could happen 
what could, what, 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 what could be going on that would cause a mighty prophet of God who knew Yahweh in such a, a deep and important way that he was making sacrifice on behalf of the people, bringing prophetic word from God on behalf of God, and still, at a certain point, something shifted that caused an imbalance that, that worship was moved from God, Yahweh, to Uzziah, the king. If you are a Christ follower, Satan doesn't want you to quit just yet. He wants you in, but not in. He wants you to be saved, but still sexting. He wants you religious, but not righteous. No, 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 no. He doesn't want you to quit. He just wants you to be quiet. He wants you to be ineffective, harmless, docile, that you don't get into trouble with nobody. And there are many preachers that advocate that even though the word of God says that the church of God, the people of God, suffer what? Violence. And the violent take by force. We don't fight with our hands. We don't fight with our lips talking and, and getting on Facebook and arguing. We battle in the spirit. If we do anything else but battle in the spirit and just stand, don't let anybody move you from your position. You just stand. You and I will be victorious. He doesn't want you to quit. He just wants you to be quiet. Matter of fact, he, he, he doesn't want you to be hot or cold. He just wants you to be lukewarm. You can come to church, pay your tithes, go out of church, live like the devil. You can sing on the worship team, shake hands and smile, go outside and live like the devil. You can waffle back and forth. He doesn't want you to, to give up calling yourself a Christian. He wants you to stay in the barrel with the rest of the apples. So that as he poisons your fate, you can poison others gradually. As you are cold, but not too cold, lukewarm, you pressure others who are on fire and want to move forward by saying things like, hey, don't take all of that, honey. I've been a Christian for 54 years, and I know my God loves me. You don't got to do all that fasting and praying. You know, they used to do that in the Old Testament, and they did it in the New Testament. But today, 
You just got to pray. God is everywhere all the time. You don't need time praying for half an hour or an hour. You don't need. All you need to do is just call on God when, when, when trouble comes. The fact is, you and I spend more time with God, not for God's sake. See, that's what you, you get, it gets messed up when you start thinking you're doing it for God. I worship God for God's sake. I, 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 I worship God because God needs it. God doesn't need it. When you worship, you're hiding yourself. When you worship, you're protecting your own stuff. When you worship, ah, Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So I'm looking for the subtle shifts in Satan's attacks. That's what we're doing today. Because he doesn't want you to quit, right? Isaiah didn't just wake up one day and decided that he was going to lift Uzziah the king up above Yahweh Jehovah. It was a subtle and gradual shift. And it's, I believe it's the number one rot in the world of Christianity today. There is a slow and slippery slide. And every time the world pushes a little bit, we edge back a little more. Every time the world pushes, and we call it being uh, not understanding, but What's the word? No, not socially acceptable, being tolerant. Tolerant. We have to be tolerant. Well, I don't see it in the Bible, but you can go ahead and keep being tolerant. There's only one way, one way, and that is the way of God the way to stand. You don't have to be loud. You just have to stand. Amen. You don't have to be ruckus and, and flesh out. You just have to stand. Amen. Go with me. No, our time is running behind, but we're going to get into the real meat now. Go with me to Second Chronicles. Many of you have read about Uzziah and Isaiah in Isaiah 6, but you've not made these connections. So after today, you'll be able to go back home and make these other connections and then really, really get the meat out of this story. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Verse 1, now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. 
He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought God, or sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Do you see that? Now we're getting into the meat of this guy. If you follow this text all the way down, it is, it'll blow your mind at how blessed Uzziah was as king. Said uh, he helped, God helped him uh, against the Philistines in verse 7, verse 8, against the Amalekites. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt. Nine, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem, corner gates at the valley of, the, of gate, and at the corner uh, buttress of the wall. Then he fortified it, meaning he made the walls thicker, higher, and stronger, so that their defenses were almost impenetrable. Eleven, moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the number on their roll, as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Manasseh, the officer, on the, the hand of Ananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600, and under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with might or mighty power to help the king against his enemies. And it goes down, verse 15, all the way down. I want you to pause there and see. You cannot understand properly why Uzziah became this, this, this picture of God, that true Isaiah off course, unless you understand how God had blessed Uzziah. To take over from his father at 16 years old and to reign at the time when there weren't any dentists to keep your teeth healthy. There weren't any physicians that had the, the ability to go in and do heart surgery and repair a lung or, or a, 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 a broken finger or an artery that snapped in a leg. But God kept him. The reason it says he was, he was king for 50-something years is because that was not the norm. God kept him. But as we've seen before in the rest of Israel, and we've seen it today in our own lives, after God gave him everything that God could give him to make him successful, we go to verse 16 of the chapter, and it says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Here's the first thing that I want us to get. 
First point. It's okay to be self-aware. God wants you to be self-aware. What are we talking about today? On the Satan, you won't steal my worship. We're talking today about the subtle shifts that the adversary wants to take you into that, that messes up your worship. Do we get that? All of this is to, get, is to take you there. We're focusing on the subtle shifts that the adversary wants to take us into. Even as you are sitting in the house of worship, even as you're calling yourself a believer, we establish he doesn't want you to quit. He just wants you to be lukewarm. So here it is. It is okay to be self-aware. What does self-awareness mean? A conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. That you know you. When you know you, like you know yourself, it doesn't help if you don't take you to God. The knowledge of you is not good enough. Self-awareness is good, but if self-awareness is not baptized in daily worship, it becomes self-righteousness. Let me say that again. If self-awareness is not bathed and buffeted and drowned and grounded in worship of Yahweh every day, you are, you are laying yourself transparently before God and saying, Father, I am nothing without you. Why am I saying that? Why, why am I saying that? Because Jeremiah 17 says... 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It doesn't matter how much I, I look at my life and I say, Andrew, there's been lies in your family for generations. Everybody in your family lie. You need to do something about it. If it is not submitted to God, repented of, and then replaced by worship, all it is is a visitation of old facts. Have you met anyone recently that was not proud or not proud? They just talk about stuff in their family like it's just, well, you know, everybody in our family drink. Have you heard that before? You know, listen, yeah, I, I know I've been fighting this for a long time. Everybody in my family, my grand, they all smoke. You know, listen, I, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but you know, you know, between you and me, Reverend, listen, all, all, a lot of my family, man, most of the guys in my family all got kids out of wedlock. I mean, we all, you know, kind of rolling stone. You know, you know how that, you know how that mean? You know? No, I, I don't know how that mean, bro. All I know is that God said it doesn't have to be that way. So it, being self-aware is good. But if self-awareness is not submerged and killed almost with submission to God by repentance, 
and calling on him to wash you clean in worship, then self-awareness turns into self-righteousness. Look at me. I tell you what, I've been working hard. This job, it's what happened to poor Uzziah. You see, self-awareness is good, but, but, but the shift is so gradual. If you are not submitting yourself to God and worship every single moment of your life that you become aware. Sometimes I'm driving in the car, my mind is blank, and all of a sudden I would feel a sweep of the Holy Spirit. I don't just and keep driving. I feel his presence and I encourage it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Papa. Thank you. I appreciate you. I welcome you even as I drive. Hallelujah. Today is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will, do, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from you, Lord. You made the heaven and the earth. I get into it when he pulls on me. If self-awareness is not baptized in daily worship, the result is self-righteousness. It's what happened to Uzziah. He became self-aware, as a matter of fact, uh, in Chronicles 15, verse 26, 15. You don't have to go to it. 26, 15 says, And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men, invented, nobody had them before, invented by skillful men in his army, mind you, to be on the towers and the corners of his fortress to shoot arrows and large stones. Here it is. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. Don't let anybody make your head big. It is one of the things that I am constantly crying to God. I don't want to hear all the attaboys. I don't need them. I don't need them. I said to someone recently, I'm in a place where I believe God is taking me somewhere, and I hope each one of you feeling that with yourselves, and you become more protective of where God is taking you. You got to, because if you don't, it's easy to slide from accepting an attaboy and how good a job you did to a life filled with pride. It just comes up in you like a, like a, like a, I don't even know what to call it. And unless you are submitting, you and I are submitting to God constantly, you can't stop. <clears throat> you cannot stop admiration to become pride. You can't stop it. Only God can, can put a halt to admiration from others becoming pride in your life. Whew, I, I know somebody is getting hurt there, but it's the truth. Number two, God promotion and self-prominence. <laughs> Second, 
Chronicles tells us very clearly that God expanded this young man. He became mighty. Everyone knew him. Everyone came by to pay homage to him. And at some point, some point, this God promotion slid into self-prominence. It's killing the church. Okay, let me make it even more strategic. It's killing pastors. Because if you are not submitting yourself, I have made a point of really submitting to Pastor Ron and Miss Judy. They're our executive pastors. But I know, I know, submit to Pastor Ed, our district uh, leader, and our superintendent. And I'm constantly saying, if you see something that doesn't look right, or you see something that, that I have no sinful connection to, but, but you could see it becoming something, Tell me about it. Don't wait until my foot's in the mud. Because it's only one of the only ways I have of judging my own life is when they point something out, how do I feel inside? Is my flesh getting angry? Is my, are my emotions getting hot? Who do they think they are? You, you're a human just like me. I don't know why you're telling me this. We all got things that God got to deal with. Every time I feel those things coming up in me, I know, okay, they got it right. They got it right. Pastor Ron got it right. Miss Judy's got it right. My mom's got it right. Whoever says it got it right. And most of the time, I wouldn't say a word. But when I get by myself, I say, Lord, you got to break this in me. You got to break this in me. You got to break. Is there anything that you have not given to God and asked him to break in you so that you begin to hide properly in worship? If you try to hide in your worship, but you have all of these things that you're dragging with you, it's like, it's like, it's like, It's like standing, taking shelter under a, a piece of netting. That's good for falling leaves. It's good for debris, but it doesn't do anything for rain. You need the right covering. The wrong covering looks good, but it doesn't do the job. The wrong covering says, I know I got to have it all. Yeah, I know, I know. Thank you for telling me. God, you know, God knows I'm trying. And we walk away never repenting. 
We walk away never getting before God and saying, Father, I want to be a profitable servant. Take it away from me. I don't want to tread water. How many of us are tired of treading water? I, just, I don't just want to make it in. I don't, I don't want to just make it in. I, I, can't, I can't stand the thought of just making it in. I didn't live. I'm not living my life and putting my flesh on the subjection just so I could make it in. No, 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 no. I want my life to matter. I want my life to, to touch someone else. I want to be filled with the glory of God so that somebody else, when we get to heaven, I could shake hands with someone else and, and they say, man, you don't even know me, but you said so and so. I met you in Walmart. You shook my hand. I didn't know your name, but something transferred from you to me on that Saturday. I was about to kill myself, but after you smiled, after you said, God bless you, something happened. I turned my life around. Jesus met me on my road to Damascus. The last point is a point that I, many of us, including myself, one of the things that, and I don't know, I don't think it is the same for any of my, my own siblings, but for me, it was. My dad, many of you know Pastor Ron, and my dad were very close, mighty, mighty man of God. I've never met a man more, more patient with more meekness than my dad. But there came a point in my life where the love and honor that I had for my dad slipped into idol. I want you to hear this because there are people, and I don't, as our church expands, somebody's going to be tempted and they're not looking at it, and before you know it, they're going to be looking at me or Pastor Ron or somebody else as an idol. And I don't want it. I don't want it. For years and years, I did not know how much I had put my own dad, awesome, awesome man, in a place of idol. I, I, I mean, my dad couldn't do anything wrong. Every time I asked him something, he had an answer that came from God. For years and years, I've grown up, and I saw my dad. I would wake up. Quite often, my siblings could tell you, he would wake up at 5 in the morning, come to our beds while we were sleeping, all 11 of his kids, and anoint you. I'm, I'm not talking about an average guy. He would anoint us with oil as we slept and pray over us. I'd never heard my dad lift his voice ever. I'm telling you, he never... He never lifted his voice to mom or us in an argument, nothing. And when dad passed, and I went into a panic, 
I suddenly realized that I was in a panic because I was holding on to my dad and he'd become an idol. And it took me a while to reestablish who's really God here. I made your dad. I developed him. I created him. What you saw in him was me. Now he's not here. I'm calling you to look at me. Has there been an idol in your life that has disappointed you? It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault, man. It's not God's fault that some Christian or some preacher that you know failed. It's our fault. All we were supposed to do was admire, was appreciate, was get inspiration from. But just like Satan himself, he uses good and tried to turn it into bad. I was talking to somebody that I love and respect recently and it touched me, this is weeks ago. This person said, I was praying. This is what the devil is trying to do. Don't let the adversary steal your worship today. Said I was praying. I was the type of person that sometimes gets nervous and, and anxious when certain things have to happen, bills have to be paid, and, and you know, I, I, I put it in God's hand. And she said, I, I prayed and I told God, take away anxiety for me. Take away, take away the, the, the worry. And surprisingly, God did. Here's the thing. The devil don't stop. Because as the trouble came, and she was not anxious, and she wasn't worried, and she wasn't stressed, you know what Lucifer came back and said to her? Now you just don't care. You're so nonchalant about, your, about these bills that got to be paid. You're just walking around like you ain't concerned. So now he's trying to make her stress about not being worried. He doesn't play, guys. He doesn't play. The only place we got is to hide out in the secret place this morning. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Come on. Oh, oh, oh. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength. Oh, I, I will patiently wait this morning. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to patiently wait. And he inclined, I, he inclined his ear to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me up from a horrible pit. Out of a miry clay. Set my feet on a rock. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on. Magnify the Lord with me. Satan, you will not steal my worship. I will not be duped. I will not slip into self-righteousness. You're not going to get me. No, you're not going to get me a second time. You're not going to get me a third time. I'm repenting right now. Go ahead. Father, I, we repent right now. Father, we repent right now. We repent right now. We repent right now. We repent right now. We repent.